Let's talk about leadership energy, talking about what you need to move forward, move your team forward, and what doesn't drain you. Because I'll tell you, I will take physically being tired over mentally being tired any day of the week. But as leaders, so many things are bombarding us for our time and everybody on our team and how they're responding and, and this challenge and that challenge and things we didn't even think of. And so many times we just run out of mental energy. And we're going to talk about some things today that help you get through that, help you see it, help you recognize it, most importantly, help you eliminate it as much as you possibly can so you can feel better about yourself, the stress level is a lot lower, and you really feel like your team is moving forward. And that's what we're going to talk about right now. It's time for the Leadership Lifestyle Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Leadership Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Stress, and I know whether you're starting a small business, you're a solopreneur, or a leader in a large company, you need to collaborate with people. I want to help you make those collaborations fulfilling, productive, and as profitable as possible. So every Monday morning, we'll drop a new podcast episode to do just that. So let's get into today's discussion. Welcome everybody back to the Leadership Lifestyle Podcast from across America and around the world. Hope your last week was really good and you got a good one planned for this week. And we are going to talk about leadership energy and you've got to have that. You got to have mental energy. And the unfortunate thing is everything out there is trying to rob that energy. They're trying to take that time away from you, either through problems or new challenges and things like that. And the, the fact of the matter is you will always have more work to do than people. It is extremely rare where you really feel like you have enough help because there's always something to do, always. And then there's something new to do. And then there's these things thrown in from left field to do. Maybe crisis you didn't even know was coming. A government regulation just popped in or a government inspector if you have that kind of business. You just never know. And the more leadership energy, the mental energy you can have, the better. And I tell you, being physically tired versus mentally tired is not the same thing. And that's really what drives leaders down is that lack of mental energy. I mean, sometimes you just feel like you're herding cats, which by the way, is impossible. If you have more than one cat, you know that. If you have 50 cats, forget it. And a lot of times on our teams, especially if you're leading multiple apartments or, or just multiple units, whatever you want to call it, uh, different business units, different, maybe different retail locations. Nowadays, you got maybe half your team or all your team zooming in versus actually being there or a combination of all of that. And everybody's off doing whatever. And a lot of managers are struggling right now. A lot of people in leadership with people working from home, even though they know that's more beneficial to them. But there's just something about as a leader, actually seeing your people do work like right in front of you. And a lot of them are struggling with the fact that a lot of them aren't there and they're wondering, are they working? Are they getting things done? And if you're project driven, that's pretty good. Day-to-day stuff is a little bit harder, but it just adds to the stress of the leader. And without a direction, everything seems important. When you don't have defined priorities, like true priorities that matter, everything looks like it's important because at the moment, everything is. And the fact is, if you're a leader, you're accountable, but to what? And what I mean by that is, are you an inspector or a developer? Are you constantly just 
just showing up with your team, whether it's in person or uh, electronically, and just inspecting the work, just asking questions. How's the work? Is it done yet? Or what are we doing next? Those are all inspector things. And there's a there's a place for that. There's an important place for that. But if your predominant leadership style is inspecting, you're really not leading. You're really not developing a team rather than thinking about where the team is going or what skill set do they need. And you have to do both. You have to inspect and develop. But are you more interested in just the instant gratification or the long term? And there's a balance there. And you have to be able to walk that balance because you do need to get things done. I mean, there's only so many times you can tell your boss, hey, I'm working on it. Or one of the biggest things I've I've heard on sales teams, especially with new people in sales, is they say their their portfolio is not showing a lot of production. And they're saying, wow, I'm laying groundwork, meaning making a lot of phone calls, trying to make a lot of contacts, trying to find out who the decision maker is and trying to you know get in touch with that person and all of that. But they're really not accomplishing anything. And at the end of the day, for them and for you alike, you gotta you gotta have something done. You gotta have some sales made. You gotta have some production done. So there's a balance there between inspecting and developing. But if you spend your overwhelming amount of time just inspecting, you're not really leading anyone because that means you're probably micromanaging too. And that's not productive. I think we can all agree that is not the best leadership style because they can't make it without you. And then when you really, when you're micromanaging, you almost create this, this excuse driven environment because now they say, well, if you're not there, we don't have any direction. And you certainly don't want that either. And the other side of that is you certainly can't split yourself in half. And I'm sure every leader wishes you now they can get into two or three different people and handle all kinds of problems and in different areas and all of that. Well, you, that's just not an option. And you have to understand well, that's going on, that you have a finite amount of time to do whatever it is you're going to do. You have a finite amount of labor, but every goal seems urgent. Everything has got to get done. And you've got to weigh all that out and try and figure out how in the world you're going to get your team to move forward. So sometimes as you're leading your group, you think, and sometimes I just say this, and depending on your business, that, hey, remember the good old days we just sold stuff? You know, you were at a, maybe at an entry level leadership, or maybe you were just one of the, one of the people producing. You weren't in leadership yet, or maybe you're just been in business a long time and you remember how you just sold stuff. There's so many components to things now, such a shift in how you lead a group, how you lead a team, where we talk about soft skills or hard skills and they're actually harder to do. You know, oftentimes I think about how it was to lead in the quote unquote good old days where it was very authoritarian. And and sometimes I look at that group and think to myself, you guys had it easy. I mean, you literally, if somebody started questioning questioning what it is we were doing, you just looked at them and said, well, we'll just find somebody else. You got a problem with that? We'll just we'll just move on. And nowadays we don't do any of that. Or we really think about how we're building our team. We think about, I mean, just an amazing amount of things we never thought about with diversity inclusion. I mean, it just runs the whole gamut and how much easier it must have been to lead back then. And how much more you as a leader, how much more in depth you have to think about building your team. So sometimes I remember, or I say, just remember, we just used to sell stuff. We didn't have all these other things. And you certainly didn't have the connections and communications you had before. If you, you got using a Slack channel and you got multiple different contact, all of that stuff is just can just wear you out. So I wonder, do you celebrate just getting through the day now? With so many things coming at you, so many different goals, so many different interruptions, it just seems like, man, if we just make it through the day, we feel like a success. We feel like $100. Or maybe that's not enough money anymore. Maybe we should feel like $1,000 or $100 thousand. But if we're just trying to get through the day, we're really not winning. We just, It's just literally that. We just
just got through the day. And if you really think about where your team is going and what you're trying to accomplish, if you've got lofty goals or big things you got to do, getting through the day isn't good enough. And if you are feeling like that, you need to keep listening because you're right in that space of a lot of things robbing your mental energy to take you away from that. You should not feel like that. Now, uh, I'll put an asterisk here, if you will. There are going to be those days, no doubt about it. Stuff's going to go wrong. You know what's going to hit the fan, whatever that is. There's going to be days like that, but that should not be normal. Just getting through the day should not be normal. Thinking about what we're doing next week and the week after that and the next quarter. If you can get today's work done and think like that the majority of the time, you're well on your way. But if you can't, there's probably some things we need to do to to change how there's something cogging up the system that is not allowing you to think that. So it's never going to be perfect though. I know I'm kind of saying two things at once here of you don't want to just get through the day, but it's never going to be perfect. And I say those two things because I want you to be mentally prepared for the fact that it can't be. It just can't be perfect. You can chase perfection a little bit and try to get to that level, but you're never going to really get there. And quite honestly, I always cringe when I hear somebody says, I'm a perfectionist. Because first of all, nobody's a perfectionist because everybody who says they're a perfectionist isn't because they're never on time because they're too busy trying to be perfect. So please stop it with the I'm a perfectionist thing because you are never done with anything. So one of the first things you want to do is ask yourself, is your planning calendar task-driven or strategy behavior-driven? And you say, well, wait a second. We have a multitude of things to do each and every day. So of course we have tasks. We have task lists, everything we got to do. Think Certain things have to be in order. I get that piece. But I'm talking about your planning calendar. Are you really thinking strategy and behavior? Because it's the daily behaviors and decisions that hopefully are aligning with your strategy that your team is doing right now, that that is what you're honing in on. You got to kind of reverse engineer where you're trying to go and and really think about is what we're doing every single day supporting our behavior-driven strategy or do we just have a task list and do stuff? Because the thing is, if you're totally driven by task lists, you are just compliance driven and that never leads to high level stuff. That always leads to complacency because as soon as you even get close to getting the list done, oh, I feel great about it and you kind of lose where you're headed. And uh, you know, another thing that really drives teams into the ground, especially when you got multiple layers and you see this way more, obviously way more in large companies, uh, multiple hierarchy levels. And I, I call this the duality of leadership. And what that is, is we treat leaders differently. And you think, well, of course we should. They're leaders. They're, they're, they're working at a higher level. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about how you interact with them. The same things that motivate somebody who's not in leadership, but producing something really good. They're in sales, marketing, whatever they're doing, but they're not quite in leadership. The same things you would do to recognize them, to motivate them, to reward them. That kind of stuff works on leaders too. It's just, we have different responsibilities. But a lot of times we look at leaders with this tough love attitude saying, you're in charge of stuff. You should just, just get it done. You should just know it. You should just be able to do it. All these things, all these kind of thoughts of just because you're a leader, you don't need all that other stuff. And that's not true. We're human beings too. And we respond to the same kind of things that motivate anyone else. We just have different responsibilities. And if we start looking at that way, our strategy, again, your culture should be one linear line. Your hierarchy in your organization is about who does what. That's all that's for. But so oftentimes we th- we equate our culture to that same org chart and it's not accurate. Your culture has to be one line. Everybody is within that culture no matter what they do in the company. And if you can get there, you can solve a lot of stuff. So you got to beware of false energy. And that is just 
people who look like they're doing a lot, talk like they're doing a lot, but they really aren't doing a lot. Or things you think that might really be motivating, but they aren't. When you think about, for example, if you're trying to set a good work environment and you're bribing them with free bagels in the morning. Now I say bribe, I mean, maybe you just have a big heart as, as a company and you want your people to be fed and be happy and all that. But that's got to be a super tiny part about how your culture works. That cannot be how, what's driving your culture. You know, you can't just give them gifts and knickknacks and stuff and think they're going to be happy. So beware of creating false energy. Or I know this sounds crazy because I talk about recognition all the time. But if you're just throwing it out there without any meaning, without any purpose, or the recognition doesn't really have anything to do with your strategy, you're really doing yourself a disservice because you're, you know, it's just like walking by somebody saying, man, you're, you're great. I love you. And they're like, okay, uh, why? And if you can't really equate that to what they're actually doing, you're actually going to lose them after a while because they just think you're just basically a used car salesman just trying to pump them up for no reason whatsoever. And you're not really getting the best out of them when you do that. So let's talk about energy killers. And in parentheses, think about productivity. They're energy productivity killers. So one of the things we talked about already, or I brought up was micromanaging problems. That again, if you're micromanaging, you're not leading. I don't care what you're talking about, what kind of environment you're in. You cannot micromanage. And you say, well, there's probably some instances like that. Well, think about an emergency room. Well, so you think about an emergency room or a surgery and the doctor's like rattling off whatever instruments they need, right? Well, that nurse still knows exactly what instrument they're grabbing as soon as the doctor says, whatever it is, I don't know, any forceps, you know, those are easy. But whatever that doctor says and that nurse grabs them and hands it to them and they're working as a machine, they're working in tandem, not micromanaging. But equate that to any situation you want because as soon as you start micromanaging, people will tune out because first of all, they know, well, until they give the explicit direction, there's nothing for them to do. And secondly, what kind of value are you putting on your people that they just feel like they're robots and they don't have any skin in the game? They don't have any ownership. And you, you at first it may seem like, look at all this I'm getting done. That is definitely a short-term gain for a long-term pain when you're micromanaging. Another killer is focusing on being right. Just because you're the leader, you, of course you want to be right. I think a lot of times as leaders, we have this anxiety that if we give the wrong answer, if we say the wrong thing, that we're going to look foolish. We're going to look like we don't know what we're doing. We don't have any experience. Rather than be curious about things and understanding things and maybe gaining a different perspective on things and not rushing to judgment on stuff or thinking a task in your brain that you think, oh, this should just be easy. I could just file this paperwork and it'll come right back in an hour. And you've never done that before. And then all of a sudden that person is telling you, oh, no, 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 that takes a couple of weeks because maybe it's something you're filing with a, a city government or a state government and you work in a totally different department and you're thinking, oh, well, you know, it's just, just this small little thing. Maybe you think it's just like a small little business license or something. And it's just, oh, we can just do that. And that person who actually does that is like, oh, no, 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 no. You're dealing with the government. Guess what? You're going to wait, probably use regular mail still. All of that. So you want to not so focus on being right, but being more curious, trying to discover things. And the more you're doing that, the more you're going to learn as a leader and the more you can kind of file it away in your brain of that's how that works. Another thing is the skills mismatch. Putting a square in the hole doesn't work. And really trying to force everybody to be a certain way about that doesn't really work. Maybe their skills are mismatched for what you want, or maybe your expectation of what you think. A lot of times, especially higher level leaders, sorry if this offends you higher level leaders, but I see this too much, is when they're looking at a group of lower level leaders, 
They're looking for a lot of times somebody who's just like them or just a just a picture in their head of what they think leadership looks like. So I'm talking about like basically an introverted leader versus an extroverted leader. And you're saying, well, how can you be a leader and an introvert? Well, very easily, actually. And some of the best leaders are introverts, which is great because they don't focus on themselves so much. But it's more about what's actually being done, not how they're doing it. A lot of introverted leaders are very methodical. They just do one thing after the next. They think things through and all of that, where a lot of times maybe an extroverted leader is all over the place, but they're not getting anything done. They look like it. You hear them a lot. You say, well, I feel their presence. I don't feel the other leader's presence. Well, yeah, okay, but that's nice. But what is actually being done? Those are the things you want to key in on is the mismatch of where you have your people or your mindset toward your people. Just that alone, just your mindset as a leader toward who you're looking at as your team could actually kill some productivity, kill your energy because it's, it's reciprocal. So, you know, you have this thought about them. So that's already negative, but then you're not getting out of them what you need because you're not helping them along. And then that drains you and it just goes on and on and on. One of my favorites, and I call this flavor of the month and how many times just within your operation, not a new product or a brand new process per se, but you think about all the different things that go on in your area, in your space, whatever department you work in, whatever you're trying to accomplish. And all of a sudden, somebody just wants to zero in on something and it's super important. And we're going to document this or we're going to report back to me how this is and all of that. And it really, when you unbalance, when you look at it compared to your entire operation, it's like nothing. Or this is, you think about somebody, if you have a lot of people on a team and a couple of them, two, three people don't follow through on something. Well, now all of a sudden we're checking everybody on the same something. And it's like, well, wait a second. I got like 3% of the people that are, are a problem, but now I got to stop what I'm doing and put all this energy into reviewing it with everyone and nobody else is doing it. And I call that a flavor of the month because we get so ramped up over that. And then sure enough, a month or two later, this other urgency pops up and then we got to go check that one. And we totally forgot about the last one. And we just, and we go through a whole course of a year. You look at that and you're like, man, look at all that time we wasted. And and at the end of the day, it moved nothing. It moved not one needle of anything, you know, gross profit, net profit, productivity, nothing. And you're sitting there going, why, why did we do that? And lastly, an energy killer is your personal Yelp review. We all do this as leaders, as people, even if you're not a leader. Your own Yelp review. You're always evaluating yourself. And a lot of times it's not positive. A lot of times you, you think about what didn't happen, what you didn't accomplish. Maybe you answered a question a weird way or, or something in front of leader didn't go well and uh, you're really beating yourself up. Maybe a client or a customer is yelling at you over something and you thought it would have went better or, or somebody in your team leaves and you maybe should have done something different to keep them or should have seen it coming. Whatever that is, we're always our harshest critics. And a lot of times when we give ourselves that Yelp review, it's not pretty. But after a while, it really starts to wear you down. I had this uh, manager that reported me a while back and um, she's really smart, really good at what she does. But she, at first I thought, you know, just so some people like to always give like, self-deprecating comments about themselves, you know, just to show that they're not high on themselves and all that. And, and get it, I've done that before, but it just kind of went on a little too long. And we were just sitting by ourselves so nobody else was around. I said, hey, I just spun around and said, listen, I need you to do me a favor. And she said, what? I said, you need to stop with the, with those comments forever. The self-deprecating, stop it. You're a good manager. You're a good leader. Stop it because you don't think about it. But every little time you do that, I mean, how many times have you heard that conversation about putting things in people's emotional bank account? Well, we do that to our own bank account, to ourselves. And the more we say it, the more it absolutely drains who we are. So recognizing those energy killers, those productivity killers is the first 
step, but you want to start thinking about how you think of things in the fact that does it align with your strategy? And hopefully you've done this. And if you have it, I, of course, I've got podcasts for that too. But you go back to podcast two, three, and four, I believe, and you talk about setting a vision, a mission, and a strategy. The strategy is the execution piece of your vision. The strategy is how do you hone it down to the daily behaviors and decisions that drive what you're trying to accomplish and focus on that. You focus on what you want, not what you don't want. That's where a lot of leaders waste a tremendous amount of time and create a lot of negative energy because they focus on what they don't want because we're so used to, oh, don't do this. Oh, you better not do that. And we totally miss all that opportunity to talk about what we actually want. And But then at the end of the day, we're wishing we had it. So we've got to do that. We've got to focus on what we want and understand that our daily behaviors and decisions have got to align with the strategy where we're going. Now, how about the practice field versus the game field? I know another sports analogy, so exciting. But when you you think about the practice field and that's where you're replanning things where you have meetings, you know, show slide decks, whatever, and talk about whatever it is you want to do versus the game field. And what do you, what do you change? Because everything sounds great in the practice room. Everything sounds great in the meeting room or the stuff we're slapping up on a whiteboard somewhere saying, Hey, we're going to try this or we're going to brainstorm that. And this is how we're going to be because in that environment, nothing's urgent, right? Because you're just thinking about, it, you're saying it out loud. It's where we got to go. You're just presenting it. But on the playing field, that's the execution and that's what's real and how you handle that is what's really going to determine what's going to happen. And are you the same in both spaces? Because you're saying, well, you know, when you start executing, that stress level goes up and you're right. But what kind of energy are you using when that goes up, positive or negative? Because you got to understand, you got a finite amount of time to do stuff, finite. But what you're trying to do with your team is not finite. Because even if you solve a problem, you product launch something, whatever it is you're doing, you're eventually going to finish that process and move on to the next one. So your team is never done. Maybe that particular project is. So you got to think long-term with how you do things. But the fact is you got a finite amount of time to do them. So choose your energy of, is it going to be positive or is it going to be negative? Because you got to remember humans aren't machinery. And a lot of times as leaders, we just expect people to be there. We come to work, there they are, right? And a lot of people are really feeling the stress nowadays of missing people, of not being able to get products. Shipping is a problem. Product production is a problem. There just aren't enough people around to do everything that we want them to do. So we're starting to feel that pinch. And again, the mental versus the physical. Well, when that starts affecting you, the mental tired versus the physical tired, I promise you, your team is feeling that too. And probably worse than you are because now they're thinking, well, whatever your problem you're having is not because of me. Yeah, so there's a double whammy there for them. So how do you get to a point where you can say, what are you feeding these people? Because a lot of times other people ask you that question and that could be good or bad. If your team is really operating at a high level, but people think you're feeding them something strange to keep them up there, but maybe your team is just operating that way. Or maybe it's the opposite. Maybe they're not doing so well. And they're wondering, what are you feeding these people? And really, that's a question of or a compliment of your actual leadership and how well you're doing. So you got to start thinking in order to make some of that happen. You think about, is it a cactus versus a rose bush? Like, what are you growing? What are you growing? So you, we all got neighbors that do 
shrubbery and things like that. And you can tell who's investing time and a little bit of money. And I'm not talking about just making this amazing botanical gardens thing. I'm talking about like what kind of stuff do they have out there? Stuff they never have to water, make it simple, easy to do, or stuff that they're nah, almost every day or every other day, they have to go out there and prune, they have to water, they have to do different things to keep some of those plants going. And how does that equate to how you handle your team? You just want to lead a bunch of people that are cactus people. You don't have to invest in them. They just work. And there's a lot of work environments like that. Or is there stuff that you have to take the time to continuously interact with? So when I say water them, are you telling them what winning looks like and that they actually are winning and they don't have to really think about it that much and, and what is in their future and how valuable are they to the operation and how much ownership do they put in and how much do you value them versus you never speak to them. You don't deal with them. You don't talk about career planning. You don't talk about what's going on next week, next month, next year. That's where you start to lose them. So are you going to raise a bunch of cacti or rose bushes? So let's talk about some solutions to leadership energy because leadership is hard hard. Let's, let's just put it out there. It's hard. It is not like, like I said, a couple decades ago where you can just bark orders and here's this and you don't like it. We'll find somebody else who does that. Those days are long gone. The days of everybody on your team looks exactly alike and acts exactly alike. Those are long gone. And you have to be at a whole nother level as a leader, as a human to get things done. So let's talk about some solutions. And here's where you really want to jot some of these down and, and actually, you know, just send us your thoughts and what you think about it and leave comments or check us out on LinkedIn. But one of the first things you want to do, and this is a mindset thing, is choose your environment. And that's really kind of a, a culture statement. When I say choose your environment, I don't mean the office furniture. Although if you get to pick that, that's pretty cool. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the mental environment of your culture. Like what is that going to be? What I always say this, the leader is the thermostat for the culture temperature. You're the thermostat for the culture temperature. How you deal with things, how you act, how you respond, how you help other people, how you develop people, all of those things wrapped up is really guide your culture. And you get to choose your environment. And it doesn't matter what's above you. If you're mentally tough enough, and I hope you are, you can still operate the way you want to. You can still be the leader you wanted to work for. So choose your environment how you want it to be. The next thing you need to do is reverse engineer your expected outcomes. So often we go right to the end. Again, we come in and we inspect, inspect, inspect. What's the final product? Where is it? When's it going to be done. And we never really think about reverse engineering that process to get what we want. Again, when I talk about the strategy, that's about daily behaviors and decisions. So have we gone down that road of making sure that's exactly what it should be in order to get the result we want? Because when we don't take any time to do that, you're going to be very frustrated later because there's no investments being made. And you're going to realize you just have a bunch of cactus lying around because nobody's really seeing any kind of thing in the process that, hey, we can adjust this or move this over here or eliminate that or add this, but we don't reverse engineer it. So we don't pick up on that stuff. So reverse engineer your expected outcomes and explain it that way. So you get people to think about where you want to go. Number four, plan everything, personal and professional. Now, not every second. But again, if you are a leader that is leading in the future, so to speak, you're constantly thinking in the future, not just getting through today, you're probably having... Uh you're probably being very successful as a team because obviously if things aren't going well, you don't have time for that. So that's really probably the biggest barometer of our, is your team effective? Because you're able to 
think futuristically. You're able to sit down and plan some things for the future and think about the next project, the next quarter, and so on. But not every second. And again, remember, I said personal and professional. And the reason I say personal is leadership is draining. It is very draining, especially for you. Uh, if there's a you know, the group listening that you're in your first level of leadership, that's the biggest leap you're ever going to make in leadership. And a lot of times, you know, you're working a little bit longer hours and things like that. And before, and, and again, the mental tired versus the physical is a completely different thing. And before you know it, you're coming home, plopping on the couch. You're constantly thinking about work. You have that, did I leave the iron on feeling all the time. And before you, you feel like you're not getting anything done, oh, I don't have a life anymore and all of that. I've had many co- you know, counseling sessions or coaching sessions, whatever you're going to call them, with managers who tell me this stuff. But then that's one of the first questions I ask. Well, tell me the one, two, and three. What are the things you do when you walk in your house when you're done here? And inevitably, that's what I find is they're just mentally zoned. They're tuned out. And if they reclaim that time and plan some things outside of work, and I'm not talking about your kid's ball game on Saturday. You got to go to that. You should. I'm talking about for you. The good old fashioned seventh habit of highly effective people sharpening your own saw. Well, that's not just educational, like learning something new. That's just for you. Sometimes sharpen the saw is just a little bit of me time. Maybe you go to the spa. Maybe you play around to golf. Maybe you go to the movies. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. But schedule your personal time, just like your professional time. And you realize, just like at work, you know, when you're not focused on that, you waste a lot of time. Same thing in your personal life. That's why I always tell you to do both, is plan everything personal and professional. Now, now you got to provide basic needs for the team. So you really got to think about this in steps. Because now... You you want to, maybe you took over a new team or, or maybe you just want to kind of re-energize the team you have. The first thing I do is look at basic needs, team needs, and then strategy needs. And by that, I mean, earlier I said, you never feel like you have enough people to get all the work done, but you should be close. And if you're not, you probably need to add something. You need to add someone. When the basic needs aren't met, and this could be stuff, maybe it could be office equipment. Maybe it could, doesn't really matter. But if they don't have the basic needs of what they need, then you can't sell them on strategy-driven stuff. That's, they're going to be focused on little things they never have and never think they can get there. Now, the second level is team needs because it's different leading an individual and leading a team. And what does the team need to function? How are they going to communicate? How are they going to solve problems together? How, how are you going to have healthy conflict? You have to present that. Then comes the strategy level, meaning it's a self-driven thing. People know where the boundaries are. People know how to interact with each other. They just do it. And you can almost look at it. You have a parent, kids acting up, and you see the parent just look at them a certain way, and the kid knows, oh, I better stop. It's kind of like that, that your team just kind of knows that. So you got to provide the basic needs, got to get the team together and get those team needs in line. And then you really got, you're off to the races with the strategy, and everybody's operating kind of in the same fashion, or at least by the same culture boundaries. So you're move, starting to move forward. But lastly is you. What about you? And I'm not talking about your entitlement. Talk about you as a person. If you do not focus, on you, you cannot regenerate. You can't move forward. You will grind into the dirt. You will find yourself resentful to people, be negative, think we're never going to get there. Uh, All of those things, if you don't take care of you, I'm talking about your mental energy, your physical well-being, all that kind of of stuff that you have. A lot of times we never talk about that. Again, we look at leaders with a tough love attitude of, well, they asked to be in charge or they are in charge. It's, It's like, we think we're going to go through some 
special metamorphosis just because somebody changed our job title and we got promoted. But it's not like that. And it's very different it, you know, being a person on a team and being responsible for the team, the whole team. It's a whole different level. And you have to be silently selfish. Now, I say that because the one thing you don't want to do is make it about you. I've always said that leadership's not about you, but later it will be about you. So when it comes to that, if you want to give people tips on, hey, here's how I I keep my mental edge or I help my mental mindset, that's one thing. But telling them, don't talk to me today. I got to I got to focus on this or I got to I got I got to focus on me, all of that. Or sometimes I've seen managers even talk in a professional sense of how much they need to be promoted constantly. And then it's like, well, if you always say that, then everything you do, people think that's all you're motivated by and you don't really care about them. So when it comes to regenerating yourself, be silent about it, but be selfish. You need to do it for your own sanity because leadership is hard. And if you don't do those things and take care of you first, you can't take care of other people. So you need to be silently selfish because you deserve it as a leader and your team will deserve it later and appreciate you for it. Thank you so much for joining me for another show. Please share this podcast with your friends and colleagues and start up your own discussions on the topic of the show. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you never miss a show. And check out the links in the show notes and give us a rating so we know how we're doing and five stars would be pretty sweet. So until next week, remember, you know you have to get work done with other people, but how you get done work with other people is entirely up to you.